You are listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast by The Crossing on how to live into God's bigger story. Hi, welcome back to another episode of A Bigger Life. What do you do when people spread false rumors about you? False-ish, <laughs> because sometimes there's truth in a little bit of everything. But what do you do? Or sometimes it's completely false. But usually the rumors people spread about me are mostly false that are based upon a little bit of truth. It's kind of like I'm not Jesus, so this is not me saying I'm just like Jesus. But when Jesus stood trial and one of the false accusations against him was that he was claiming he was going to destroy the temple and rebuild it, well, he did say that. But he said it in regard to his own body and resurrection. He said it a little differently in a different context. But the words were used out of context to to spread rumors about him. That's usually the kinds of things that happen in my life. I don't know about you, but when people are spreading false rumors about me, there's some truth in it, but it's applied to a different context and it's embellished to make it worse than it was. But I'm not usually 100% innocent in the things that are spread about me. It's just that the story has been embellished and made something different. But what do you do? Because those are really hard times. We all go through them. Sometimes we go through them in our families, either extended families. Um, As we get older, there's sometimes conflict with uh, brothers and sisters or parents or something like that. Or maybe it's, you know, friends or maybe people at work or maybe people at church, people in your small group that are gossiping about you, talking to other members of the small group or other members of the church or other members of the family or other people at work and saying things about you. You find out that somebody so-and-so said something to so-and-so about you and it wasn't true. There was some truth, but it was, like I said, turned into something worse. And as believers who are trying to live a bigger life, we're going to have to learn how to navigate these waters because we all go through them. And King David went through them a lot. And like I said in the earlier episodes, all these psalms that he wrote, or at least most of them, were written in the context of fear. They were written in the context of struggle. They were written in the context of conflicts he was having. And Psalm 59, which is what we're going to look at today, it says at the very beginning this is a, that this is of David when Saul sent men to watch his house in order to kill him. So this is not just an argument. These are people who are really trying to kill him. And so like other Psalms, this is indeed written in the context of fear. David's fearful for his life. People are trying to kill him and they're watching his house and he's trying to figure out how to, how to, how to navigate this. And so it's the psalm is dealing with the physical threat, but it's also dealing with the threat that these people are trying to arouse people in the community against David. So they're spreading lies, slanders, and he's having to deal with that. But this is an example of, I think, a couple things we want to think through. One is when we have times of conflict, we want to make sure that the first thing we do is take it all to God. Make it vertical. Don't just live life horizontally where we're dealing with people and dealing on the horizontal level with the conflicts that we have and trying to navigate that. And what do I say? And how do I say it? And who, how do I confront? There is that. But the first thing we have to do is make it vertical, take it to God and make it something that's primarily first and foremost, something between me and God. 
And then after we do that, we will be in a better place spiritually to humbly try to give our side of the story and seek to do that if we can. Because, you know, Proverbs eighteen seventeen says that the first person to give their side of the story always seems right until the other person gives their side of the story. And what Proverbs is saying is that there's a wisdom in understanding that every time somebody tells you a story about somebody, there's always another side. There are always two sides. You never want to just listen to the first side of any story. You want to be a wise person, not a foolish person. And Proverbs says that the foolish person just gullibly believes the first person to tell them their side of the story. But wisdom knows that there's always two sides to the story. And and before you come to your own judgments, you need to find out what the other person's side of the story is as well. That's just wisdom. And then the third thing you want to do, so let me just make sure we understand what we're, you know, take, the first thing is take it to God. Secondly, humbly try to give your side of the story, seek to have a chance to do that. But then I think thirdly, we want to admit and take responsibility for what you can. There always is something, a little something in every slanderous gossip that you can take responsibility for. And I think this is especially true in our marriages when we have a conflict with our spouse and they're upset about something. We think their accusation is unfair. We think they've misunderstood something, but the reality is almost in every situation, there is something that they're saying that's right and that we can take response. If we're humble enough to just say, you're right, I, I, that was wrong, I, and take responsibility for it and change what we can, that covers a multitude of sins often. If we can just take responsibility for what we can and apologize for it and truly admit our guilt in it and deal with that, that helps a lot. But this psalm is dealing with the first part, and that is taking it all to God, making our conflict vertical. And so David says in the very first verse, deliver me from my enemies, oh my God, protect me from those who rise up against me. We're not dealing with people necessarily trying to kill us, although there is sometimes that. But we're mostly dealing with people who are verbally assaulting us in some way, either through gossip or slander or something like that. And so what we want to do is bring it to God and see that we see these people as our enemies. Ultimately, our enemy is spiritual. And so the New Testament says our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, not against people, but against the spiritual forces of darkness. And so they might use people to spread slander and use people to bring uh, conflict into our lives. But the people themselves are not ultimately our enemy. It's the spiritual enemy. But we can have this perspective that we're taking it all to God. We have enemies. Ultimately, they're spiritual, but sometimes the enemy uses people to become our enemy. But we're coming to God and say, God, deliver me from this. You're my deliverer. Protect me from this. Protect me from those who rise up against me. Oh, my God. What we're doing is we're saying, God, you are my God. You have committed yourself. You are the God who has created this entire universe, and you have committed all your wisdom, all your power, all your strength, all your glory to me as my God. You are my God. You say in your scriptures that this whole covenant you have made through Christ is so that you would be my God and I would be your people. I would be your child. And so you are my God. I trust you. You have committed yourself to me. You are for me. That's what we want to say. 
And then the idea of God being our God is that we commit ourselves to him, that we look to him as our God. We make him our trust. We turn to him first as our trust. He is our God. We're not looking to other things first and foremost. We're trusting in God as our God. So we're making our conflict vertical. Verse 2, deliver me from those who work evil and save me from bloodthirsty men. Now, we may not have bloodthirsty men trying to pursue us, but I think we, when we pray these things, we modify them. And so there are people wanting my destruction in some way, or at least not usually in a, a, a marital fight, but it's just hurt people trying to resolve conflict. But sometimes situations at work or situations in the community at large or even in our families at large do have people that want to bring us down some for their own purpose of being elevated some. And so we can pray, modify these verses and say, God, deliver me and save me from those who want my harm in some way. I trust you to deliver me. I call upon you to protect me and and, and save me. Verse three, for behold, they lie in wait for my life. Fierce men stir up strife against me. Again, we're not we're not wanting to go to the wait for my life thing, but we can say, for behold, they stir up strife against me. And we're seeing how this, we can resonate with these Psalms in ways that are applicable to us. This is how you pray scripture. They, they stir up strife against me. And then, you know, you get to verses like where it says, continuing verse three, for no transgression or sin of mine, O Lord. For no fault of mine, they run and make ready. They, they're, they're, they're stirring up strife against me. We usually can't say that. That, that there's always a little something that we've done that is a transgression. There is a fault in it somewhere. There is sin a little bit in us that has caused this. So we we don't want to say it's no fault of mine this is happening. We want to instead admit and take responsibility for what we can and talk about that with God, confess it with God, and get right in our own heart about our own responsibility in this. But then David says in verse 4, Awake. Come to meet me and see you, Lord God of hosts, our God of Israel. Now, when it talks about come to meet me, that's a that's a battle thing. You know, when you go out in battle, you're hoping that an ally will come meet you on the battlefield and join the battle with you. That's what David is praying here. Now, we're not going to have this battle with somebody, but we're asking God, look, God, you fight my battles. Come awake and, O Lord, God of hosts, that's the God of armies, God of victory, Yahweh, God of hosts, you are my God, and I pray that you will meet me in this fight, that you will meet me in this struggle, that you will meet me in this conflict, and that you will be on my side, not not on my side in the sense of making me right, but that you will be along my side, that you will be, that I will be at your right hand, that you will be at my right hand, that you will be with me in this. That's what I mean by on my side. So verse 6 says, Each evening they come back howling like dogs and prowling about the city. There they are bellowing with their mouths with swords in their lips. And that's, I think, a great, that's how I feel a lot of times when people are spreading false rumors about me, that their swords are in their lips. Their lips are swords that that are fighting and cutting and trying to wage war against me, howling like dogs and prowling about. Well, this is exaggerated language, and I think it sometimes hits exactly the nail on the head when I feel when there's people spreading false rumors about me, and I bet you do too. The whole point here is not to talk about how bad these people are, but to just sort of vent to God how we feel, to make this vertical, to take to God and talk to God all about this. 
And that's what David is doing. That's what David did so well, is he just talked to God about how he felt, about the situation that was causing him fear and causing him anxiety and causing him worry. And that's what we have to learn to do is just talk to God about how we feel and take it to God and make it vertical. So let's do that. Let's take the, the last part of this psalm. We've, we've read the first part to where David's talking about how he feels. Now I'm going to take the last part of the song, a couple of verses from the last part of this psalm, and pray. How, how do we pray when we're having this kind of situation in our lives? Maybe this prayer might resonate with you. Let's pray. Oh God, Lord God, Yahweh, God of victory, my God, who has committed yourself to me, all of your power, all of your infinite wisdom, all of your infinite goodness and love and glory and strength, the God that created every star and every galaxy, the God that created me, knit me together in my mother's womb. You are God and you have committed yourself to me as my God. All of your power, all of your infinite wisdom, all of your intelligence, you are trustworthy as my God. And I commit to you as my God. You are my God and I bow to you. I submit to you. I trust you. I turn to you. You are my God and I come to you. Verse 9, oh God, my strength. I will watch for you. I wait for you. This is a vertical situation. I am looking to you, God. I'm not going to take things into my own hands. I look to you. I look to you as my strength. I turn to you as my God. For you, O oh God, are my fortress. You're my fortress. You're the one that protects me. You are my fortress around me. O oh my God, in verse 10, my God in his steadfast love will meet me. God will let me look and triumph on my enemies. You are my God, and in your infinite, steadfast love, you will come with me in this conflict. You will enter this conflict with me. You will enter these rumors and these slanders and these gossips, and you will be at my side because you are my God. I know I'm not 100% innocent in this, I ask for your forgiveness for my sins and the ways that I have initiated in some ways their feelings against me. I am not innocent, and I ask for your forgiveness, and I ask for your deliverance because of your mercy and because of your grace. Help me take responsibility where I need to take responsibility. Own what I need to own. Seek forgiveness where I need to seek forgiveness. Give me wisdom where those areas lie. But I pray that in your steadfast love for me, that you will help me in this conflict, that you will be my fortress, that you, O oh my strength, will help me look in triumph on my enemies. Ultimately, that's my spiritual enemy, that you will let me look in triumph because you have defeated him through Christ, and I stand in Christ, and Christ stands with me, and I will look in triumph on my enemies because I trust in you. But I pray, Lord, right now that you would be my fortress in this situation, that you would deliver me from this, that you would deliver me from the swords in their tongue, that you would deliver me from those who stir up strife against me, that you would come and help me and give me favor in the eyes of those they seek to try to turn against me, that you would turn it back on them and that they would not be successful 
and waging war with their mouth, but that you would help me, God, to stand and to be someone who has favor in the eyes of those, that you would fight my battle, that you would be my fortress, and that if there's a way to bring a loving resolution, that you would help do that. Verse 16, But I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. I pray, God, I pray that you and your steadfast love would help me, but I put myself in your steadfast love. I remember the bigger story that my life is in and that this conflict is small compared to the bigger story, the bigger story that you have died for me, risen for me, and you will renew me on a renewed earth forever in your presence as my God and me as part of your people. This is the bigger story. And I continue to trust in you to bring about that bigger story. I sing aloud of your steadfast love. I declare that you are my fortress. You are my strength for you have been to me a fortress. David says in verse 16, verse 17, Oh, my strength, I will sing praises to you for you, O God, are my fortress, the God who shows me steadfast love. Over and over, this is what David repeats. Over and over, this is what I say, O God, you, the I am, you are my steadfast love. You are the one I trust in who has a steadfast love for me. You are the one that I know is for me. You are the one that I know that I can trust. You are the God of the universe who is for me. You are my God who has steadfast love for me. And you promise to be my fortress. You promise to be my deliverer. And so I am trusting you with this. I trust you to protect me. I trust you to be with me and help me to have this confidence in this conflict this confidence that you are with me, this confidence so that I can be humble and not proud and not defend myself, but simply be able to humbly share my side of the story. Give me the opportunity to do that when I can, where I can, where I need to. And I pray that you, God, would help me own what I need to own, ways that I have added to this conflict. Help me admit ways that I've been my own worst enemy in this. And to seek for forgiveness and to seek to love with your steadfast love. But I pray, God, I take all of this and I give it to you, and I pray that you would help me, that you would deliver me, that you would preserve me, that you would save me, that you would be my fortress, my deliverer. I trust in your steadfast love as my God. I refuse to give in to worry. I refuse to give in to anxiety. I refuse to spread rumors back to attack back, but I trust in you so that my response will be humility and love and trusting confidence in you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.